So how do you warm up before you do your vocals? What do you what do you do? Me, me, ma, Ave Maria. Ave Maria. Oh, and we're recording. We're using that. <laughs> yes. And you have a fungi, fungi. <laughs> and then you have plosives. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's all retarded, but it works. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I used to do that before shows. Well, we'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. Uh, I am Chris Johnson. I am joined with... Jared Ross. And... Captain Ron. And... and Eric the Viking. <laughs> awesome. So we have a, a different show than, uh, than normal. We had a different podcast planned for today, but two of our good friends dropped by and, well... We won't let them leave until they record a podcast. And so we stuck them in the box. That's right. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, Captain Ron. Tell us a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> let the people at home know who you are. Okay, so um, I'm Captain Ron. I was recently commissioned um, at the three-day SUT course uh, when I found myself lost on a patrol. <laughs> uh, very much so like a second lieutenant. Um, prior to, um, I guess, joining up with you guys or, or beginning to train with you guys, um, I had a seven-year lapse of no training um, at all. Um, what did you do before that seven-year lapse? Prior to that seven-year lapse, um, I had spent five years in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, I was a recon Marine. Um, had one deployment to Afghanistan. Uh, it was a terrible command climate. Um, kind of left me with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder and uh, just a sour taste for the Marine Corps. Um, had found myself getting out, uh, much like most of the people uh, that were in my battalion. Um, and then spent a lot of time, you know, kind of just avoiding all of that and not really seeking out training. Um, got in touch with the Lodestone through Eric. Um, Eric had met them at the Great American Outdoor Show. Um, had got some information about them and suggested we attend their five-day Safaud course. That's about it. I've uh, been training with you guys for, I don't know, a little over a year and a half, about a year. Um, find myself uh, each time that I leave training, um, not just leaving with, you know, some additional reps in, but a little bit of life skills and uh, I guess some mentorship would be the right term. I know that first uh, Cephalic class, you fit right in. I couldn't tell that you had a uh, seven-year gap. Uh, I would have said you just stopped training a month or two before. Um, definitely, you picked up right where you had left off and started running really fast. Well, that's very kind of you. It didn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a good time. Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Brief stint in the military. Started when I was, joined when I was 19, 1990. Uh, I was an FO. Um, and what is an FO? That's a forward observer, uh, field artillery. And then I worked for EMS in, in, uh, in New York City. Uh, primary, I was at uh, Kings County in <clears throat> um, Brookdale. 
hospital. Pretty quiet place. No, it was pretty busy. Um, that's when they still had the uh, crazy Jew building. Um, told of anybody who knows anything about Kings County and the lunatic asylum called the G building. <laughs> uh, that's when you used to bring EDPs there. Uh, after that, um, just construction uh, for the, the remaining time. I've uh, always sought out adventure. Um, so that's taken me into you know, a decade of rock climbing and ice climbing um, and just outdoor um, living. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is kind of unusual, I guess, if you're from a city, you know, if you're from Brooklyn. Um, uh, but so, <clears throat> like Captain Ron said, you know, kind of discovered Lodestone Training and Consulting by accident, really. Uh, and and uh, I was very happy that I, that I did. Um, started with the Safawa class, I've taken quite a few classes since then. Um, not all of it um, revolving around uh, firearm training. I think that... Um, a well-rounded individual is, is what we should all aspire to be. Um, I think that if your sole purpose is just to, as, as Chris would say, put holes in paper, um, I think you're gonna find yourself lacking. So that's why I continue to train and will. Cool. So both of you, your first class you did with us was our Safawa class. So and what that is, if those of you listening, if you're not, not aware, CEFAOC stands for Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat. So it's a school that each Special Forces group runs. It's about a month long. It's where we teach Green Berets really how to shoot. So what we have did with this class is we patterned it after the first week or the flat range week. So it's it's pistol and, and rifle. So it's, it's five days straight um, after that pattern, you know, the same way that we instruct Green Berets how to shoot. And uh, so that was the first thing that you guys did. Um, tell us about that. What, what was your... What was your expectations coming to that? What, what were you, you know, thinking? What did you want to get out of it? And then how did that week go? And what were some of your biggest takeaways from that class? Granted, I know it was, you know, a little over a year now when you guys first did that, but. So as I had said, you know, there was a, about a seven-year lapse between any kind of training that I've done. Um, I really didn't have any expectations. Um, I remember when we first arrived to LCPC, PC, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, I was like, what the heck is this place? Like, there's no way that this is going to be any good training at all. Like, we got, we got boned. Um, but we, we also, you know, we showed up the night prior, um, and we're camping in the parking lot. And, uh, now, before you go on. We got boned. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't just the two of you. You guys um, came with a, with a larger group, right? Yeah, we had a group of like, I think, five or seven. Yeah, just in, case, just in case it went down, we had backup. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keep going. So, you know, we, like I said, we arrived the night prior. Um, we were greeted by the uh, Joe, um, and then we set up our little shanty camp that was there for the duration <laughs> of Safawik. Um The first morning, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, sniffing each other out and just, you know, who's this guy, who's this guy, you know, what's going on? Um, we did our introductions, you guys did a little bit of classroom time, and then we immediately got on the flat range, and I was very impressed. Um, very professional instructors. Um, you know, my, my previous training in the Marine Corps, um, you know, the Marine Corps as a whole is a shame-based society. Um, you do everything basically motivated out of fear just so you don't, you don't get harassed and treated like a, like a mongoloid. 
Um, it was, a, it was a, a different scenario to where, you know, like I said, you know, nobody there is in the military, number one. So that's gone. Um, it's a gentleman's course. You know, it was, it was ran very well. Um, everybody was allowed to progress at their own pace. Um, and, you know, for those of you that don't know what cephalic is and, the, and you know, the flat range, I mean, it, it was a lot of the basics and it was just the basics repeated the right way um, consistently over five days. Um, so the progression from the first day to the fifth day, you know, was definitely a natural progression. Um, you know, Uncle Sugar wasn't paying for the ammo. <laughs> so, you know, there, there was a little bit of rangeisms with that, but, you know, overall it was, it was a great product. Um, very happy that I attended it. We did a custom low light class, a, a two night custom low light class. Uh, what, a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, last weekend. And um, after the, the first night of fire, some people stayed there in camp, so I, I stayed with them, and we, we stayed up kind of late sitting around the campfire. Anyways, the point of all that is some of them uh, expressed kind of, you know, similar thing that they used to. This is the first time some of them did anything with us. And the one guy's like, I, I was amazed that neither you nor Chris yelled at us. We were expecting someone to scream and to holler. And then uh, my response to that was, well, there's a time and a place. You know, I use it like, like a surgeon. There's a time when, when yeah, I need to scream and, and when I need to use profanity or, or something like that. The knife hand. Mm -hmm. And the knife hand, yeah. There, there's definitely a time and a place for that. <laughs> but really, uh, my response to them was, the individual or the instructor that's all they do is yell and scream. It's because they're insecure. It's because they don't have experience. And they know it. So they're trying to make up for it by, by that yelling and screaming, trying to beat their chest, saying, you know, I'm harder core than you because my voice is loud. And uh, I don't know who they had trained with before, but as soon as I said that, all well, three of them like all started like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, mentioned somebody else. So I, I just, I guess I took it for granted. That's how you really teach and instruct. So your comment to that, you're not the only person. I'm just amazed that there are, are people that are accepting people's hard-earned money just so they can yell at them. For, for for whatever reason, not gonna get my money. Yeah, maybe well, once. At, at the end of the day, we want students to come to our classes to leave better. And if you get better by someone screaming at you, uh, I don't know if we're the place for that. Uh, we want to provide you skills. We want to provide you uh, with the mental equipment that you need to handle whatever the situation presents itself, and in a professional manner. Yeah, Mr. Eric the Viking. So my impression of the of the first class that we attended um, is, is similar to, to to Captain Ron. I did not know what to expect at all. And then once you got there, you thought you were boned too. Uh, I wasn't sure yet. I was, I was kind of going, you know, by uh, <laughs> Captain Ron's um, facial expressions. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, we didn't know what to expect. I was incredibly satisfied uh, with the the entire class, the entirety of it. Uh, and so were the other uh, individuals who, who accompanied us. Um, it, it was a lot of repetition. It was a lot of, a lot of focus on the fundamentals. Um, Got to learn to walk before you can run. Uh, and, it, and the class progresses that way. Um, I forget the actual 
days, but you know, whether it was day one or two, but it started with rifle, then it went to pistol, then it kind of went transitioning through, then it was getting off of the X, uh, then it started into movement um, towards the day four, and then it was, a, the, I think day five was the, the, the stress shoot and, and just a bunch of different movement, which was, which was awesome. Um, so one thing, <clears throat> one thing that you know you should, I guess whoever's listening, you should keep in, keep in mind. Uh, it's not just training your 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 skills to shoot, but you should be training your body as well, right? You should be able to have some level of cardio and so you can perform. Because mm-hmm. um, I noticed that on myself uh, that you know when I was when I was running, I got really, you know, when you when you started at one point and you're running through that course. I was like, you know, damn, I'm winded, you know, um, and that that was a, a wake up call to my to, to myself and and started to <clears throat> to work out and, and prepare, you know, physically um, over the over the past year. Um, but yeah, all in all, I thought it was a fantastic course, and I would recommend it to anybody, especially if if you're new and and, and you have the time to commit five days, you'll get a lot from it. Cool. Yeah. So. Uh... Both of you have taken some of our other classes. Uh, you both took Intel 2. And, um, well, Eric, you kind of disappointed me on Intel 2, I'm going to be honest. Uh, your your product, product was, uh, I think you let someone else do a little bit too much of the work. Just going to say that. But I still still talk about yours, Ron. Um, that was awesome. Yeah, your very first slide pulling up, Escape from New York. Bottom line up front. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So, you know, on, on that note, uh, Eric, you said... should have called him Plitzkin. You should have. You got to be well-rounded. Um, and we do offer a, a diversity, of course, and you guys, over the past year and a half or two years, um, I've seen you out at a lot of different uh, style courses. Things that, you know, I don't ever want to pigeonhole anyone, but I'm like... Uh, what are you doing here, here at this class, you know, but you guys are there. Um, so non-shooting class, what do you think the, your, I'm not going to say favorite because don't pick favorite, but uh, what do you think something you benefited from? Uh, there's been a couple of the non-shooting classes that I've been to, and I can't really pinpoint one of them. Um, the two that stand out the most are the communications on the X. Um, you know, that was kind of a refresher of things that I had already learned, but again, presented in a much different manner. Um, a lot more professionally, um, to where you know I was able. No, to... no one was screaming at you, <laughs> or no, shaming you. Not at all. Um, you, this is me. Over. Why can't you get through your head? <laughs> yeah, I was a private RTO once myself. You know. And then obviously um, Intel One and Intel Two. Um, you know, Intel Two for me, um, I kind of didn't really. Um, account for my ADD and how much time it was actually going to take to present a product. Um, that was a little bit rushed. I could have done a better job. Uh, but that being said, you know, the framework was there. I did have um, the literature that you had recommended that I buy, um, or I should say procure. Um, it's, it's a living document, so it's something that's there. I have the framework. It's something that I can always keep You can always build to, too. yes, yeah. yes. Um, I, I did actually go and get myself some nautical charts and maps. Awesome. Um, so where, you know, I can have a conversation with like-minded individuals within so, my network. 
by getting the nautical charts, it has motivated you to move inland, correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I realize that geographically, I probably don't live in the best place. Um, you know, uh, something about 30,000 to one in terms of, uh, you know, a square mile per capita. Um, it's a little disturbing, especially if, uh, you know, there's a natural disaster or, you know, people can't get the basic necessities that they need. Yeah. Um, you know, Jared keeps threatening that he's going to make me go up to New York. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I physically, if I can go into the state. That's just, that's a lot of people for me. And I don't handle crowds. We're both going up there, what, three weeks? I know. I know. I'm trying not to think about that. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Push my comfort zones. All right. Now, I, I did just because that was actually a phenomenal product that you... I participated. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> that, I also presented. Yes, you did. And that was a very good product. Uh, I, I was very pleased with it. So, um, you know, whoever helped you with that, they, they, they get some credit. How about for you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, the person who helped is, is, is my wife, Heather. Um, yeah, she, she's a research monster. Um, so uh, it, it was, there was no point in two people doing that. Um, I just kind of, <laughs> I kind of uh, put some parameters. Like okay. these are the points yeah. that we need information on. And then it's just like. Commander's go, guidance. Go. Commander's guidance. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was uh, and, and my wife really enjoyed that. She really enjoyed that class. Uh, we both did. Um, oh, and we learned a lot. She about attended the with you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, she, a, she she loved it, um, and uh, it it was very helpful, right? Because our, our our end goal is to is to you know leave the state of of New York and and purchase something out here in Pennsylvania. Um, so that that was one. Um, I've taken other other classes. Um, Took the, the SUT class, right? That's not really a shooting class, right? Um, that's you. You did both of them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did both, and uh, <laughs> and, and I, I, I like the progression. Um, you know, the first one movement, right? Second one, battle drill, and each one presents its own set of challenges, right? Because you're new to it, right? So you're, you're, you're kind of absorbing a lot of information and then applying it kind of instantaneously. <clears throat> so, you know, you're going to make mistakes, obviously, and that's how you learn. Um, but what I, what I and, and I've heard you guys say this before, and I can't agree more that people do not put themselves in, in positions where it's going to be difficult. Right where they're not, where they're out of their comfort zone, where they, where they're going to be cold, they're going to be tired, they're going to be hungry, they're going to be sleep deprived, they're going to be this. Right, <clears throat> just don't. People just don't do it. And I think that it's a good test of, of you can understand who you are better as a person, even if you know, the three day right gives you something, then the five day gives you even something more. I think that it's an excellent opportunity to learn something about yourself and and. Obviously, you're dealing with other people, so and you're switching through leadership portions of it. It's a great class, and and what's so even better is, you know, it's application of a lot of different classes that you've taken, right? So if you've taken the land nav, if you take which I've taken, that's the other class I took, right? <clears throat> and I took that with my brother-in-law, and he loved that class as well. Good, good. Um, 
but it, it, you know, so you take these these classes, and then all of a sudden you're using them, you're applying them in these in the SUT class. That's the best way. So I was really happy that I I took the other classes. Cool. I have to say that I one of my the, the juice for me is seeing people improve and and take the things that that we've given in our classes and run with it. When you emailed me how you took the Carver Matrix and turned it to use in your business. Mm -hmm. I was thrilled. I'm like, this is awesome. You've taken something that, that I've, you know, presented and used it to make your life easier. So that, that's still, um, so you know, just the real estate industry in New York city alone has taken a big hit over the past couple of years. Hold on a second. Explain briefly to the people listening, what the Carver matrix is. A lot of people know, a lot of people don't uh, know. Long story short, yeah. uh, Carver matrix is a, um, a way of weighing different criteria, it's usually used for sabotage. So trying to yeah, identify. Th yeah, that's how we use it. Yes. Yeah. Identify what part of something you want to attack. And it has different criteria, um, you know, what the capability of that item is, the accessibility of that item, um, the um, vulnerability, the recognize. Or, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I don't have it written out in front of me, and I can't spell my own head. So, uh, the whole the whole process is it's a a matrix that allows you to look at a problem and break it down into its subcomponents and give a, a weight to each one of those components, a numerical value, and then it will help you identify what you, you where you should put your efforts. Um, it can be used. I I used in the class in the Intel two how I just bought a house and I'm doing home improvement projects. I use the Carver matrix. I, I took the um, projects that I've deemed that I need to do. And, you know, the number one thing that I think is I need to upgrade the master, master bathroom so that I have a, a nice garden tub in there. Um, but it turns out that, no, the most bang for our buck would be to paint the girl's bathroom, uh, which we have painted the girl's bathroom. Uh, I still don't have that, that, master done but you know <laughs> it, it turns out that was like number six on the list of one out of six things to do um but yeah it, it's a tool that you can use and it can apply whether you're trying to do sabotage or you're trying to do real estate so so yeah now i'm um, go ahead eric with that background go ahead so so things are a little different now but um with with new york state or new york city real estate but so what i what i took from that um, so is the Carver is uh, criticality, accessibility, recoupability, vulnerability, uh, recognizability, um, effect, effect, right? Yes, yeah, yes, right. Yeah, I missed yeah. the E. Thank you. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that can't spell in his yeah. head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I took that and, and, and applied that from an asset management, management standpoint, um, how uh, to, towards, um, building facades or, or building upgrades, right? The, the capital improvements that you have to put to a building to develop, <clears throat> to understand how you're going to spend your CapEx dollars. So, you know, so for instance, right, you know, you look at these items that are on your CapEx budget and you say, okay, a four-year CapEx budget and you say, okay, uh, we have to, re you know, the windows are on there, window replacement, uh, say, you know, uh, uh, water repipe, electrical service upgrade, building fa facade restoration, and you start to go through it and you say, how critical is it? 
right? How accessible is it? And then I would put questions underneath that. I would put questions underneath that um, for the asset manager to ask, right? Um, and then they would assign a value to it. And then I put that as uh, um, zero to five. So very much like you're painting the bathroom or your soca tub, and by the way, you found out where you fell on that chart. Oh, yeah, I totally know. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. you know, yeah. your weary bones or, or, or the pretty bathroom, right? Yep, yep. Pretty bathroom one. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, so it, we haven't implemented it. And the reason I, that's why I'm saying things have changed just because we're still reeling from a couple of things, the housing protection plan, rent reform law that was passed, and then the pandemic that hit, that, that affected us pretty badly and then these rent moratoriums where nobody's paying rent oh that's yeah right so how do you how, yeah so when you have this carver matrix which is for spending money on your property <laughs> how do you spend money when you when don't, you have, don't money have money coming, coming in? in yeah right so so that that's just kind of sitting there a tool waiting to be used right but it but it will be used and i've disseminated that um you know to the executive managers Good. Uh, yeah. so so well, it's gonna be awesome i i wish that it was making your life easier now, but it's not my fault that it is, and it's circumstances out there. Uh, oh, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. You're, well, you're okay. It, it's like I say, I, I like knowing that the work that we do, whether it's you know being on the flat range and spending that extra amount of time with someone so that they're now hitting where they want to hit, or it's something like that in a class where they, I run into them later and they're like, yeah, I really appreciate that. that that's the juice for me. That, that's where I'm like, yes, this is worth doing. I think that's the point of what we're, we're saying that, you know, a lot of these non-shooting classes are applicable to, to your to your life. Right. Um, so like that. Right. I'm not, that is originally intended to for, for sabotage. sabotage. And right. now we're and you're looking at for building for asset yeah. management. Yeah. Right? So <clears throat> it, it's easily applicable. Most things are. That's one of the nice things about like the SUT classes is, yeah, we're teaching you basics patrolling. Yeah. And we're doing battle drills but it's really it's all about leadership that's that's hands you know hands down that's what it's about taking um people and putting them in a very unfamiliar of environment everyone's out of their comfort zone and then now you need to do tasks and things out of that comfort zone so it really levels that playing field so no one has that advantage and then yeah you all learn and, from it in sut did we never need to yell do, to increase the stress do we need to do anything <laughs> not a thing I, the stress is already there. We actually need to be the calm voice. Yeah, yeah. I, it was actually the lack of information that created additional stress, not knowing what was going to be happening, which was kind of cool. So you do, you're doing a lot of stuff, which doesn't necessarily have to be done because nothing happened, but something could have. Yes, yes, it could have. Right. And that's one of those things. If you hadn't done all those things, Something would have happened. Oh, something would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. So, I, so. I was fully prepared to spend all night harassing you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we walked into your patrol base, and you had done such a good job of setting everything up. Jared just looked at me and was like, let him get some sleep. So uh -huh. I'm going to say something about that, if that's yeah. cool. <clears throat> so, you know, when, when you had uh, transferred... Um, the squad leadership position, right? Yeah. And, and this this other uh, guy was doing it. So I was, you know, um, just off to the side. And, and and when they were trying to find that first, uh, the first Ron site, um, I think that might have been <clears throat> Wednesday evening. Okay. And uh, 
so we were setting up that area and I just, you know, just started taking tree branches, creating like, you know, just this, a section around creating like improvised fighting positions around mm -hmm. that whole area. Mm -hmm. And the awesome thing is, right, that the individuals who were there recognized all that. And the night when I had transferred uh, squad leadership position to myself, I didn't even say that. I didn't say to do that. They just they just did it. Did it. They recognized it and just did it, which was awesome. So now that you guys have been through some classes, some different training, um, have you changed anything about how you prepare uh, to go to classes? If you were like, you're going to take someone to their first class, what would you say to them to get them ready? So I actually have um, two close family members of mine that I'm going to be sending to the four women class um, that's upcoming um, soon. Um, one of the things that I've done with both of them is I've just gone over basic weapon safety, um, you know, manipulation, how to how to handle a firearm properly, safely, um, and then just kind of been briefing them of what to expect uh, when they get there, so that it's not just this massive shock. These these two individuals don't really have any kind of formal training, um, and I, I want them to go to you guys um, so that they can receive that training in the right the right light, um, because they're probably not going to listen to me. Um, no matter how much they love me, they're not going to listen to what I have to say. So it's hey, best to have other people do it. I send my wife to classes. I send my daughter to classes. It just helps. Yeah. Well, and kind of along the same lines, when, when we have a couple, specifically a couple, sometimes with, you know, just friends showing up together, we'll, we'll split them up. You know, we want you on one end and we want the other person on the other end just so there, there, there's none of that. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea because <clears throat> they, they, as a couple, you fall back into that role. Um, so my wife um, agreed to take one of the classes. She's, she's very afraid of firearms, um, but she was, uh, she was willing and brave enough to take this one class, the four women, four women class. Okay. Uh, but prior to, <clears throat> prior to going, she wanted to just go over some safety procedures, right? How to lock the slide back, how to change out, how to make sure it's safe uh, before she ever went to the class. So I have four handguns um, and kind of work through or walk through uh, making clear and making each one safe, um, how to present it, just simple things. So that when she went there, she felt a little bit more confident. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and, 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 and she did and you know, and she, she actually went to the class and she fired all but one. She said she, she chose not to shoot the hand cannon, which was, uh, <laughs> as, she, as she put, a Dirty Harry's gun. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And I do believe that your wife earned a green, green and gold before you did. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a point of contention right there. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up. I you mean, know, that's cool. You know, that's cool. <laughs> uh, hey, all, All's hey. well that ends well. I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. I haven't earned one. Come on, man. It, it's right here to taunt him. It, it is. That, 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 yeah. He brings it up every now and again. Just, you know. That's not a real thing, right? What's that? That, that you haven't earned one. You, no, I haven't. You, give, you hand them out so that. Yeah. Yes. When someone does something that earns one, they get one. I haven't done anything above and beyond my capabilities to oh. earn one. No, that. that the green and golds are prestigious. Like there's, they're not. It's not handed out. 
I mean, uh, all right. So I have a question regarding that. Okay. All right. How many have been circulated? That's a good question. I don't. I don't know if I've kept track. I have not kept track, but I. I I have good memories of the people that I've I have handed them out to. I would like to say less than ten. And my my wife got one on the first class. <laughs> it's well, it was brave. it's it was instructor brave instructor. Uh, you know the instructor of that class said there was a woman that started the day saying, "I will not shoot. I am just here for the the lecture." And at the end of the day, she shot. She completely overcame any hesitations that she had. And that was something above and beyond. That's for sure. Because she is, she was very afraid of firearms. That's one of the intent of that. It's not a, okay, you just completed the, I don't know, super ninja level. So, so here you go. You know, you check those boxes. It's an individual thing. So for her, that was a huge leap. It was. Right? Incredible growth. Somebody else like, you know, I don't know, like Chris here, yeah, he needs to do a little bit more um, to do anything comparable to you haven't to that. got one, have you? No, I, he did. He got one the yeah. first. Oh, oh that's right. That's okay. All right. That's what I took. Yeah. Yeah. You know what was funny? At, at, at that same Safawa class, you got one. One of the other guys who came with us got one. Cease fire. Cease fire, right? <laughs> it was spot on. It was. How many did we get then? Two? Three. Three. Oh, Three. Okay, so maybe yes. I've given up more than 10 then. Maybe about, maybe 12. Maybe, maybe. On high side, 15. Yeah, I don't think anymore. Because I I can think of three yeah. that I've given out, that I have, like, okay. A, okay. a meaningful memory of. So I can think of at least five that I've seen. I've seen five because I was present when you gave one out, when the Greek got one. Yep. What did he do? Why, why are we even talking? Every time he's like, oh, because you're talking about me again. Because this podcast is about him. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's what he thinks he is. He's because, so vain. He probably thinks the podcast is about him. Yes. <laughs> uh, the guy cannot see out of his right eye, or he says he can't see out of his right eye, but I continue to push him and push him, and he finally gave in to me and ran, oh, that's right. he, ran the gun as he was supposed to. He, he stopped complaining about, oh, I can't do this. And he just did it. Yeah. And that was, hey, you did it. Um, you stopped coming up with excuses. We can all come up with excuses. Oh, I can't do that. My knee hurts. Oh, I can't do that. You know, I was born in California. Or I was born in Utah, raised in California. You know, I can't do that because of this. I can't do it. There is no I can't. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what really, that's yeah. what it's down to is you're pushing yourself. You're out of that comfort zone. Yeah. You're really doing something new and yeah and you know it was there was a bit of debate when we gave you yours because we're like i really don't know if he's pushing himself i mean he looks like he's pushing himself but he also looks like he's handling this so (laughs) you know i mean we just really have to push you and you know put you in those hard circumstances did i overhear you saying one time you're a glutton for punishment. Did you actually say that? I thought you said that to me, like maybe so. Or, or I overheard you saying that he's a glutton for punishment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's do we do we learn? Well, okay, yes, we learn when we're comfortable. But when things have meaning, when things are expensive, and I'm not saying monetarily, but you know, with your your time or your effort, they mean more. You, you're more aware of them. Mm-hmm. Why do you climb a mountain? Why? Yeah. 
because you get a, a, a sense of fulfillment and purpose. Because you put forth effort. Yeah. You, you had to do something. And not everyone can do it. You know, kind of along the, those same um, vein, uh, th- there have been individuals asking me, how can you be so, so patient with th- these these beginner people, these, these people who, you know, are, are messing up. They're not, you know, and it comes down to, I can't expect them to do any more than what they're capable of doing. So I have a lot of patience with them. They might do something silly that, uh, you know, okay, that's no big deal because they don't realize how silly it was that they just did until they learn, until they get experience. Now you can have somebody else who's been around for, you know, is on a level three class and do just the same exact a silly thing that someone did at a level one class. And then that's when I'll get irritated because they, they know better at that point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's no different than when we we'd bring in regular army guys like from the 101st to train with them. And we know their capability. We know what their standards are we have that certain expectation when a teammate yeah fell below what we expected that's when we got pissed you know even though he may be outperforming you know say it's a, a 240 range he's outperforming any of the infantry kids but that doesn't matter he's underperforming what his capabilities are and that's why it was irritating you know so that that, in, that leads down an interesting line what are some of the things you guys have seen uh, in training, like with uh, with other students, where you might have said, "Oh man, that's questionable." Like, uh, I think it's 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 purpose driven. What's the? Why are you participating in the training? What do you hope to get out of it? Do you hope to improve yourself? I bring this up with these some of the drills when they're you're, you're when you bust out with the pro time everybody goes crazy um, and people are you know they, so supposed to be in a specific position right chin sweeping over right everybody's like this so they're already there you know already just just ready to take they're, that shot they're, they're trying to trying to beat the clock but they're and not, not doing the, the drill quite, out yeah. Of it, right yeah uh, or if it's or if it's the off from the draw uh, you know instead of it in a ready position the hands are already here right so it's just trying to save that extra second to get there I'm like you're really not getting a true representation of what your level is because you're not doing the drill that's supposed to, the way it's supposed so, to be performed so if I can uh, restate and correct me if I'm wrong, what, what you're saying is people aren't treating the pro timer or the clock as the tool that it's intended. So instead of I'm doing this, I'm starting at a regular ready position, drill starts, and then I'm driving the gun up the full length that I need to in order to get to the shot, or you, you know, or, or the draw, I'm instead of doing the, the real draw, now, now they're cheating and they're staging because they're not concerned with how can I quickly perform the correct action. Their, their mindset is how can I, what do I need to do to shave seconds so, so I'm, I'm against the, the, the timer, right? And right? Instead of the drill, I'm learning to defend myself. It's I, I want to beat the clock. It's exactly right. And, and then with that, with that same mentality, you'll see NDs. And that happened at you know a recent class twice because you're so individuals so focused on that time. One goes over the berm, one goes in the ground. That's that just then it becomes dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
that's one of the things I see uh, for that. You know, it's I've seen this the very first uh, Lodestone uh, Frozen shoot two years ago when we announced Lodestone. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had me down on the B range running a car drill where people would break out of a vehicle, get their long gun up and engage target and then move to another piece of cover. And every person that came to my station, I they would of course have their their AR or uh, Toyvor or whatever it is that they were were playing with uh, strapped across their chest, and I said, "Do you drive around like that? Are you in Baghdad, or do you put it someplace else in the vehicle? You know, down in the wheel well or in, in the, the back seat in yeah. the trunk?" And it was you could tell the difference between the people that were there for inexperience and the people that there were for training the people there were for experience like oh yeah Mm -hmm. okay cool we're gonna run this drill and they would run the drill and then the people that were there for training they would put in the back seat or they put it in the trunk or they put in the wheel well and they would get more out of it because they made it more real they didn't try and game the scenario they tried to make it real so that they had something out of it. And I saw the difference in the participants, those that were there and yeah, they had a good time, man, that was fun. Jumping out of that car and shooting steel was, Oh man, that was exciting. Got my heart rate up. And then other people like, wow, that was a lot harder than I thought. Maybe I should think about this. Mm -hmm. And I I carried in a bag or I carried in a lock case and it's not that easy. Okay. All right. Um, and, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to make people better. So, Ron, you have a phrase. I want to hear your phrase. Thanks for the gear, bro. <laughs> and, hey, what do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? Wait a minute. Um, you going to give it up? Or, or let them read between the lines. <laughs> you, can, you can read between the lines, and, uh, and I'll, I'll go on from there. Um, seeing these people that, um, you know, there's a clear distinction um, of those people that are there for training and those that are there for Instagram. Um, they spend thousands upon thousands of, of dollars on gear that they don't even really know how to use properly um, when they would probably be better served spending that money on ammo and getting the reps in. Um, you know, one, one particular instance that kind of sticks out for me is uh, barricade drills. Um, you know, broke back, shooting through keyholes, uh, shooting around the B pillar, uh, the B pillar. Um, seeing people, you know, turning three quarter inch plywood into splinters that are exploding in their face, and then laughing about it. Um, not really taking the time to get better. Um, they're just kind of doing it just to do it. They're throwing rounds down range. They're not really getting any training value. Um, had that been an actual vehicle, um, probably gonna lose an eye. It's not really that funny. Um, Things like that tend to irritate me. Um, you know, I'd rather see somebody with, you know, Vietnam uh, deuce gear and, uh, and an AR with iron sights that is motivated and taking it serious. Um, you know, that being said, you know, you want to spend the money on gear, you want to pose for Instagram, that's good for you. But, you know, you're not really training um, to any kind of standard other than just to look cool. You know, we, we've seen a lot of people that, it's easy to buy stuff. It's so much easier to go on the internet and, oh, click, buy, yep, 
that's just money, uh, not putting the time in. And we've seen both where guys have shown up to classes. They've gone out and they have the latest operator kit. Um, and they walk away from the end of the day's training and realize, okay, I need to change this. I need to change this. And they actually have a purpose now behind it. They, they bought everything off the internet, what the internet told them, you know, what they saw and whatever. But then they came out and tried it out. Those guys, awesome. They're better for it. And again, the day, end of the day, we want to make people better. It's guys that show up and don't really care. Like, yep, I don't mind shooting. Oh, I have to sign the barricade? Okay, cool, Chris. I'll sign the barricade. It's it's to the point that, you know, Jared and I just got done building a new barricade. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on a barricade that is easily repaired because I know there are people out there that are going to shoot the barricade. Um, when I have someone have to sign the barricade and they're like truly remorseful, like I kind of feel bad, but at the same time, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. they learn from that lesson. Do you remember, um, it might've been the second time, maybe the third time that we brought out the, the helium balloons. Oh, I, it, and, and you know who still, I'm thinking of? Who, oh yes. He I shot that balloon. Individual. It, it's like, it was a multi-day course. Um, my brain's gone. I can't think of which course it was. They all kind of blend they, together. They, right? Yeah. Uh, but we have no shoot targets. And this was a stress. I was getting him amped up. And the, the wind is blowing and the balloon keeps blowing in front of the target. And I keep yelling at him to shoot the target in the head because I want him to, you know, we're playing chess, not checkers. He doesn't, I don't matter. It matters that he's able to make that decision. And he knew the right answer was to, you know, it's a failure to stop drill. Can't shoot in the head. I'm going to shoot for the uh, the pelvic arch or pelvic girdle. And uh, he uh, saw the wind shift and thought he had that moment. He was so fixated on getting that head shot because that's what I'm screaming. You know, time that I want to put that stress on and using it like that surgeon. Yep. Yep. Uh, he takes that shot. And just as he breaks that trigger, that balloon blows right back into his target path. And he pops it. That man, it's like a year and a half later, he still has that balloon and string in his rifle case. <laughs> and every time he comes to class, he shows me. That man took it so serious that yep. he, had, he had shot a non-combatant. He had shot someone that was not a threat. And he has taken away from that. And he shares that story with other people and the feelings that he had. His immediate reaction, I mean, he very beautiful rifle. He had... He drops it straight in the dirt, hangs his head in shame. Yep. I mean, you talk about the Marine Corps shaming people. I didn't have to. I didn't have to say a thing. Well, even if you did, there's nothing you could nothing. say to make him feel any worse than what he did. Because, all self-induced. Yeah, it yep. was all self-induced. And you know, he's a better, better person for that experience. Absolutely. Um, let's. I know time is precious. I want to ask you two guys uh, each. Two more questions. The first is, what was your favorite experience so far uh, with us? And if you already hit on it, then you already hit on it. Uh, but what specific uh, drill or experience or, or whatever um, with us? For me, <clears throat> um, there, there were there were a few. Um, 
but it's funny that the 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 five day SUT is probably one of one of my favorite classes, even though it's the least, probably one of the least amount of shooting. Yeah. Um, oh, there's there's no shooting in that class. No well, live rounds. Yeah, 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 did some yeah. sims. But but seeing it, you know, mm-hmm. come to fruition was really cool, right? Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that class a lot. Um, but I, I'm going to say that I like the whole progression. So I, it's hard for me to pick a specific individual drill or individual class, but I'd say that the SUT is up there. Um, I'm going to say that the last two days of Safawik, um are up there. Um, and I'm going to say Landnav. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're all so they're good. I, mean, I like the I like the austere environment class. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you were awesome at the austere environment class. You like, really were. I like all your classes. I get something from all of them. Captain Ron, I can't can't really pinpoint an exact moment or or something that that sticks out. Um, you know what what I really appreciate is that you guys are are making people thinkers first. You know anybody can pull a trigger and make holes in paper. Um, to be well rounded enough to kind of identify your own shortcomings and you guys offer a wide variety of training that people can kind of pick and choose almost like an a la carte menu. Um, You know, what do I need to work on? What do I need to improve upon? Um, You know, me, myself, you know, I didn't do the land nav class, but I did the three day SUT. (laughs) Probably should have did the land nav class. (laughs) Right. So that's right. You, you, you were the, uh, the PL for a little while there, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I got commissioned. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Second lieutenant can't spell loss without the LT. So, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I can't pinpoint an exact moment. Um, it's just the the fact that each class that I go through, um, it's not just you know learning that skill; it's, it's other life skills that I pick up residually as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, so we picked on you guys a lot. Um, give you. An opportunity, and if we don't like it, we'll just have John edit it out. Uh, but uh, you guys got a question for us. Uh, you want to explain, because <clears throat> it's mentioned a lot, and, and I have my own theory of it, and, and the, the, the light fighter concept, right? Um, I think that the term or the name could be misconstrued, um, but in my interpretation of it, it's, it's all of the classes that lead up to that well-rounded individual. Um, is that, in your mind, is that the purpose? Is that what the concept is as a whole? Um, what, what's, the, what's the purpose? The purpose is to foster and to build that well-rounded individual. Um, and one of the reasons why I like, and we went with that term, light fighter, is because of all the the history of, of the light fighters, you know, in, in, in the past. history. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fast, flexible, mobile, effective, um, thinking. That's much more important than just, you know, slapping on some, some heavy armor and going and, you know. Being, being a stormtrooper yeah, and following orders. Or, or, or a cog in, in whatever yeah. the machine is. Yeah. So all of those things. Um, in the first issue of, of uh, LTAC Quarterly, which is our hard copy newsletter, should be going out as of or airing now, hopefully, on, on by Tuesday. That'll be going out. There's an article, you know, that that's in there that talks specifically about that idea of of the light fighter. And one of the examples that I use in there is is that individuals that light fighter that they're living in the real world. 
So like the idea that I'm going to have level four body armor and a helmet and 10 mags and my weapon sitting next to me and I hear a bump in the middle of the night and I'm going to be putting on all that stuff to go address that threat. That's that's silly. Um, the other example I use, and now, shoot, I forget his name off the top of my head, but the, that guy down in Texas who, who really was a hero where um, the individual went into the church, started shooting the place up, killed 26, shot 20. Um, he was shooting for 11 minutes, um, and he got somewhere around 700 rounds off while he was trying to kill those people in the church. Um, on the other extreme is is the guy who I think he was a hero, but what did he do? He recognized there was a shooting, went to his house, got his AR out of his safe, went to another location in his house, got his mags and ammo, loaded a mag, then loaded the rifle, then went out to face that evil. And he heard the shooting going on that whole time. Um, he could have been much more effective, you know, and he I heard in an interview him saying every time he heard that gun going off, he figured that's another person dead. Right. If he would have been more prepared, if he would have been that that light fighter in living in the real world, he would have had magazines already loaded that were available. He could have responded. And instead of 11 minutes into the shooting, maybe he would have been able to respond five minutes, four minutes, one minute, 30 seconds into that shooting. He could have saved a ton of lives had he lived in the real world and had he been fluid. You know, so there's those two extremes that that hypervigilant person with the body armor and, and 20 mags next to his bed, okay, that's not real practical. And then the other far extreme, the other guy who was an NRA instructor who, uh, yes, he, he was ready, but to be ready, he needed to get his gun out of his safe, load that magazine. So that concept of that life fighter is, is that blend of, of those two where I'm living in the real world. I'm ready and prepared like the minimum before me to address threats, but I'm not, you know, I'm not being silly about it. I mean, that's part of my idea. Chris, you oh, jump in there, too. I, I think that you pretty much nailed the head, nailed it on the head there. Um, it's a lifestyle. It's that overall concept. Not, not doing it for show or for a game or because it's what's cool and fancy or you played a video game and now you're, you're playing it out in the real world. It's recognizing that you have training skills, equipment, and you have the ability to help other people and that your goal in life is to be there, to be an asset to the community, not a burden on the community. Um, you, Eric, you recently shared with me um, one second after. Uh, I can't remember the author of that book. Great book if you guys haven't read it. Um, you Should, I haven't read it. Heard all kinds. I, I've heard so much about it over the years of, Probably know. I mean, I know what it's about, but do you think that's worthy to, uh, I, I to do, throw up for I do think um, that the book that, club? That should be a book club. Book. Okay, all right. So um, I keep going. Hey, you probably agree with me, correct? One hundred percent. Okay. Um, in, it in falls the, into what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. In, in that book, there were people that were assets to the community, and there were people that were burdens on the community. And we want to be that asset. That light fighter is someone that recognizes I'm not going to be a burden. And it's it's all it's all about being well rounded. We talk about it when we almost every time we do a, a safety brief about how we have real world used our medical training and our medical equipment here in the United States. That doesn't mean I'm not going to train with my firearm. Mm -hmm. It means I'm going to continue training with my firearm. 
and I'm going to continue to train with my medical equipment, and I'm going to have medical equipment with me, and I'm going to have a firearm with me because I'm well-rounded, ready to be that asset to respond to the community. And, and another thing with that, too, is there's no cookie-cut answer. Myself, living where I live in Pennsylvania, and what, what having that firearm or firearms in my preparation of being a light fighter is going to be different than, than you two where you're living in another part of the country, you know, living in, in, in New York. So since it's different circumstances, even though we agree 100% on the correct principles, the same principles, our individual techniques or how you're going to approach, um, approach it for you, is going to be different for you as it should be different for, for everybody. It's that understanding those core truths and then applying it to yourself and your circumstances. One of the reasons why we, um, why I, came up with the idea of that light fighter challenge and the way it's structured, there's a lot of common things that we're going to be doing, but it's an individual thing. You know, people ask me, can I do it in a team? Sure. If you want a bunch of friends want to do it together, that that's, that's great. But still it's going to be you doing the individual long movement and you doing those individual skills. Um, so you're, you're striving to be that and well-rounded it's, it's person. It's a self-assessment to yeah. see where, where you need to improve. Exactly that. Um, I actually have one of my close friends uh, that's going to be attending that. And awesome. It's going to be a, a big eye-opener for him, and I, I can't wait for him to uh, do that self-assessment and hopefully um, prioritize his training. So I have to jump off topic here. You said bump in the night, and mm -hmm. it reminded me of the beep in the night. So last night, I know i got to get up early. I'm trying to get to sleep. It's about midnight, maybe 1230, and I start hearing the beep. One of my smoke detectors, the battery's going dead. And so what do I do? I reach over. There's a handheld flashlight right next to the bed, right where I know where to grab it. I also know where the 9-volt batteries are right there. Open up the drawer, pull them out, walk down the hall, shining till I see it. Okay, got it. And I change the battery, go back to bed, probably 30, maybe about a minute 30 out of bed. And I'm already back ready to fall asleep. And I had that like, huh, I was prepared for the beep in the night. <laughs> just, just have to say that, that funny experience. I, I, I bring that up because I think it's important because you guys focus on it a lot, that, that concept. And, 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 you know, I have my, I've heard you describe it before and hearing it now is even better. Um, cause I think it was a, a little bit more, um, what would you say? Articulated. That's the right word. Well, I, I like to think of it as if we name something, if we give something, you know, names have power. It's a mantra. It's a, it's a mindset. It's an idea. It's a T-shirt. It's a slogan. It's something we can get behind and be like, hey, I'm a light fighter. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means this. And, oh, well, I don't meet that particular thing, so I need to work on that. Um, you know, light fighter challenge coming out. A lot of people, well, I'm not really good at land nav. Do I have to do the land nav station? That's the point. Yeah, that, that's the point, right? Like, uh, I like how you said, you know, be an asset, right? Mm -hmm. So if, you're, if, you're, if you've taken the land navigation course, it's not because you're plotting your next, you know, an ambush or a movement or, you know, if you're, if you're on a hike with your family, you know, you're able to navigate safely and get back mm -hmm. without getting lost, right? So you're an asset to your family, right? Uh, it just makes sense. Ron? What other additional classes do you gentlemen think you guys are going to begin offering? And uh, 
if there is any, uh, what kind of timeline do you think you'll have on that? I'll jump in really quick. So you kind of inspired me during uh, Intel 2. I realized that we've been talking about having a, a more planning-specific class on the military de- decision-making process, MDMP, um, COA development, course of action development. And what is a good vehicle for that? What is something that in you know a, a six-hour, seven-hour time period uh, people could get benefit and learn those things because again leadership and planning it's the value is never not going to be there everyone's always going to benefit from that and watching your little slideshow escape from new york it hit me hey evacuation plan of action is the vehicle where uh we have a class that is geared around developing an evacuation plan so you're doing the whole COA development process around an evacuation, whether this is something because natural disaster or whatever hazard might be in your environment. You identify all the things that you need to do, and you go through the whole planning process. Uh, like Chris and I are working on that, and just like everything, we don't want to just throw out a product that isn't going to meet all of our expectations. We want students coming away better um so it's not ready yet it i'm gonna say we'll be ready probably late winter uh early spring next year and i'm excited to teach that class i see a lot of value in learning how to plan Uh, we make the joke about you know it comes from uh hunt for red october you know a russian doesn't take a dump without having a plan a green beret doesn't take a dump without having a plan. We always have a pace plan. Do I have wet wipes? I don't have wet wipes. Do I have toilet paper? If I don't have toilet paper, do I have leaves? Don't have leaves. Do I have a sock? Okay. We always plan things. And I've seen the value in my own life just as a father uh, with the ability of planning. So having a good vehicle where people can come make a product and go through that whole process and learn the planning and be able to carry that into their their daily lives that's again it's it's the juice for me i want to pass that on so that's something i'm looking forward to more shooting classes um on different specific subjects we'll be doing a few more low light pistol classes which right now we've really just been running rifle classes so pistol classes with rmrs as well as uh now that people are starting to get pistols with illuminators and lasers on them so we can run them with nods that's one of the things that we're going to be doing another thing is a lot uh, one thing we, we really haven't done is we haven't run any real scenario based um force on force classes and we haven't run any uh room clearing or cqb classes so those are things that we will be doing um in the future that's definitely one of the next stages uh, for us to go to and i think that we have a, a pretty good student base right now mm-hmm. that are ready for those classes that you know i'd be comfortable taking into the house and getting them to that next level you guys absolutely i hope you're there mm-hmm. another area is right now we have two dedicated sut classes one is three days one that's you know that's five days first one focusing on patrolling while the second one is on uh, battle drills so i just had the privilege um i don't know if i mentioned here or not i've in other locations though i have of doing a a 10-day uh man tracking class and that was phenomenal 
there were things that I learned there that I should have known as a E2 private in the 82nd Airborne. Um, just some simple stuff. So that is going to be enhancing. That experience is really going to be enhancing some of our SUT classes. Um, I'm in the process of crafting another class. I don't know if it's going to be two days or if it's going to be three days that will incorporate some of the tracking as well as other aspects of, of small unit tactics. Um, so that's it. there'll be a third SUT class that we'll be throwing in. And then uh, also more classes. We're going to be doing similar to the skills classes that, that we do, the um, the three-hour blocks. It's just, just some drills. Um, we're going to be doing a, a low-light night vision class um, along those same lines. It's going to be longer um, than three hours, but it's going to be a lot less instruction and just more pre-set-up drills and locations. So, you know, go. Go do this jungle walk. As soon as you've done the jungle walk, then then go to the next one and just set up as a round robin to get more and more reps in. The other low-light classes, the day one and day two for the rifle, that's very heavy when it comes to instruction. And now that you've learned something, um, the intent of this third night then is just just reps, just get reps, reps, reps. That's, you know, doing correct repetitions is where you really, really learn. It's funny when you asked before and you said, <clears throat> were there any specific drills or um, points of interest in one of the classes right, that stood out? The jungle walk on, on the the night vision class mm-hmm. that was that was awesome that was spectacular um so so we're in the northeast and you have austere environment what about a winter version so um are you saying that because you're really good at building igloos because <laughs> i've seen the pictures <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna brag but i'm okay <laughs> that that was one thing coming out of that almost every student in that class asked when is survival too we are doing it's the same basic class but in a different environment yeah. we're, we're going to colorado to do a high desert one in what three weeks yeah, late september yeah okay late september yeah. so i mean again similar class to what you guys did just a completely different environment so it's only an hour from the airport just saying yeah just saying you know i'm probably gonna have to drive at mossy forge that's what what's that <laughs> a day at mossy that, forge that's right yeah uh you know on that it's we don't want to just throw out a product because, hey, I want I want survival too, um, or you know, winter survival. Yes, we are in an area that snows, but are we in an area that snows enough that it's predictable we could have those things? Um, some of the ideas that we've tossed around for a survival two is more scenario based. Uh, you know, we take items from say one of the vehicle classes, and now you have these items that you were able to scrounge off your car and you are in this environment now survive with these items based off the skills that we've previously discussed more of a scenario less of training and then of course we're there as um as safeties and coaches to to help people along well like less drought yeah it's uh it's not um it's not there yet and and until it's something that is is real and instead of just oh that's a good idea oh that's a good idea i'm still collecting those good ideas we're discussing those good ideas um but we want to make something that it's not just an experience people come away better for it that when they leave that they're like yes not only do i know this piece of equipment works but i know how to use that piece of equipment and i feel confident carrying that or that's garbage i am getting rid of that right now (laughs) Like, um, so it, was it the 
first or the second SUT class? It was the one with the sand table. Was that the first one? The first one, yes. Yeah. So, you know, we had that final that final movement, you know, before it, before it got all screwed up. Um, and I couldn't find where it's supposed to be. Uh, but we're showing the guys how to body repel, mm-hmm. right? Because um, we're at kind of a too, 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 uh, too steep for scrambling or getting down or right just as a safety mm-hmm. measure. Just curious if something like that would ever, you know, filter into your SUT class or. Well, I, I do know that Jared comes from a mountain team and, you know, he's, he's always excited by Swiss that concept. Seed, carabiners. Maybe if we had the right location. Yeah. Location, location, location. Something that had a lot of terrain. Maybe. Hmm. A taste of things yet to come. <laughs> To be continued. <laughs> well, gentlemen, and to use that term loosely, I really appreciate I'm your here. time and I resemble and, that remark. <laughs> and, and and you know, sharing your mind. Um, this was really an impromptu thing because we're going to record. You guys stop by for five minutes to yeah, pick R- something up. Ron's like, I better get on the road really soon. Uh-huh. And we're like, cool, awesome. He he may have been wearing his brand new to him PVS fourteen the entire time. <laughs> I, I, I might I might have a picture to, to prove it. I may actually get to use them on my drive home. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything, uh, any parting words of wisdom or any last thing you guys would like to say? To the audience at home. To See you at the pistol at vehicle class. Oh, that works. Well, again, thank you. And thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Buenas noches. No. No. No, no, no. You'll never make a berserk if you let it out. Now you'll have nothing left for battle. You wouldn't be trying to cheat Kevin Ron now, would you, Swan? <laughs>